In this episode of Full Stack Radio, Ben Orenstein and I talk about strength training for nerds. This is Full Stack Radio, episode 105. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of the Full Stack Radio podcast. I'm your host, Adam Wathen, and uh, my guest today is someone who I've talked to a couple of times on the show before, uh, Ben Ornstein. How's it going, buddy? Hey man, good to talk to you again. Happy New Year. Thanks, dude. You too. Yeah, so uh, in the spirit of the new year, something that I thought would be kind of interesting to talk about today is um, I have kind of like a history in a past life as a competitive power lifter. I was super into uh, lifting weights, really heavy weights in a tight little wrestling singlet on display for everyone to watch. (laughs) And um, I know that like something that people really get amped up about at the beginning of every year is like, oh, this is going to be the year that I get in shape or whatever. And for the longest time, I've wanted to give a talk on like strength training for nerds or for developers, like Mm -hmm. kind of the, the different pieces of it and that I think resonate with um, people who sort of think like, like we do and sort of the parts that appeal to me and the kind of habits and stuff that worked for me in terms of sticking with it and actually making it work. Um, I don't think I'll ever probably get a chance to give that talk, but I thought, you know, it's the new year. I don't have a podcast lined up. Maybe we could do an episode talking about this stuff and maybe there'll be people listening who want to get into the whole gym rat world that could maybe take Hmm. away some interesting things. Yeah, totally. I'm looking forward to it. Sweet. So maybe the best place to start is, um, the reason I invited you on the show to talk about this is because we've had like a couple small conversations in the past about like some of this stuff. And I kind of know that, you know, of at least some of the resources <laughs> that I really like. Um, yeah. but we've never really like gone into like a full on conversation about this stuff. So I think it's, it's cool that we can do it sort of fresh, but maybe a good mm-hmm. place to start would just be talking a little bit about like, what is your sort of history with fitness and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, fitness of any kind, but maybe like in particular, like strength training. Well, so I, I read a book that I think we're going to spend a lot of time talking about that really changed the game for me in terms of strength training. So I've, I had been someone that would like fool around in the gym over lunch for a number of years when I was a bit younger. Uh, and that was just kind of like, I would walk in and like see what looked good and kind of do what, do the exercises I enjoyed and was good at naturally. And like, oh yeah, maybe some, uh, some dips. And then just like kind of walk around for a little bit like, yeah, maybe some of these. And that was like, okay. And like the the thing about being like 24 or something is that everything works. Sure. (laughs) And like your body is like so resilient and like your like hormone levels are like great and your metabolism is awesome. And so it's like, if you just like walk into a gym and spend a little time there, it's going to work pretty well for you. Sure. Um, But then later on, I found as I've aged, um, I have to work harder for everything basically when it comes to physical stuff. Uh, particularly in the like the mobility and like flexibility mm-hmm. uh, world, but anyway, so there was there was a big there was a moment in terms of strength training where I, I went from like fooling around to like understanding this thing more deeply, and that was when I read a book called Starting Strength, which is by Mark Ripito. So what kind of led you to that? Like, where did you find it, or who did you That's hear about it from? Good question. So I used to read this site called. <laughs> <laughs> called testosterone nation yeah it's a it's a great site if you want to be like a jacked is. asshole <laughs> yeah like it actually had like really great articles and like back in the this is like in the earlier days of the internet when there wasn't as much in terms of this and so if you want to like well-researched well-written articles on like how do you actually train and get stronger this was a good place for it 
um i haven't been in a while and every time i like bump into it it's like kind of embarrassing how many like high res photos there are of dudes and like just that are just like obscene obscenely just obscenely? like veins obscenely everywhere and... yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so i don't know that i could still endorse it but anyway I, I think someone back then like turned me on to this book uh as like a if you want to learn how to lift things and get stronger like this is a great resource because like most places are like if you ask most people about training like most people would go like Hey, hey, like, what's a good exercise? And people will be like, oh, a squat is good. And mm-hmm. you're like, oh, that's, yeah, totally. Like, how do you do a squat? And, like, most people will give you, like, a minute on the squat. And Starting Strength has, like, 70 pages on yeah. how to squat <laughs> it's, well. It's pretty hardcore. It's, it's, like, unbelievable <laughs> how much detail this book goes into. And it was just, it, it really tickled the nerd part of my brain where it was, like, someone was finally talking about all the angles and how all the muscles worked and all these things uh, for, like, an important exercise. Yeah. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, I think... um my story is basically, uh, I've always kind of been like an overweight kid. And at one point, you know, multiple times I kind of made the decision, okay, I'm going to get in shape or whatever. And, um, one time it actually worked. And the, the kind of process was I started just Googling around online, trying to figure out like, okay, I want to get in shape. Um, I want to kind of do it in not in a low effort way, but I kind of want to get like the best bang for my buck. You know what I mean? Like, how can I kind of like what's the 80, 20 getting in shape sort of process. So I was Googling around trying to figure out like what sort of workouts can I do at home with like minimal equipment, like body weight training and stuff like that. And it took a long time of just like searching around through that sort of stuff before like I accidentally stumbled on like the term strength training. And it turns Mm. out like based on what actually clicked for me and what actually worked, that was like the magic search term that I just wish I had had from the beginning because that would have led me Mm. to the resources that I actually found to benefit me, right? Like like best home workout isn't going to, will never lead you to what ultimately worked for me. But yeah, so I found this site, it was called stronglifts.com and I definitely can't endorse it anymore. But um, Mm. at the time, it was a very good example of, uh, this is a conversation we've had before actually, but a very good example of a website. Like it was a (laughs) site someone had put together with lots of really great information about what exercises you should do, how you should sort of structure your workouts and how to do those exercises. And there's just lots and lots of really good content on there. It's since turned into like sort of a really uh, internet marketery sort of try to squeeze every mm. drop of money out of visitors that show up sort of site which is too bad mm. yeah. but from there um i started kind of following some of the stuff that was recommended there and that kind of led me to starting strength too which is kind of looked at as like that's the original and like strong lifts was sort of an imitator in a lot of ways right mm. um, but that's when i discovered starting strength and mark ripito and i used to hang out a lot on like the starting strength forums and keep like a training log there and stuff like that um yeah so i kind of got into into that stuff and, and that's where i kind of learned what exercises you should do and how you should structure them and why you should do different exercises and stuff like that so i thought maybe the next thing that would be good to get into is just kind of like some of that like basic stuff like if, if your mm. goal is to do sort of the least amount of, mm-hmm. not the least amount of work possible, but like I always hated the idea of going to the gym thinking, okay, you have this like men's health magazine with like a workout listed for you with all these like supersets and all this complex stuff where you're expected to do 12 different exercises in this workout. And it just seemed like so complicated. And like, how am I going to keep up with this? And then when I discovered like the starting strength stuff, I realized it can be a lot simpler and you can actually get you know, much better results doing things that are a lot less uh, complicated. So I don't know, uh, maybe I'll like kick it off to you and you can kind of share like 
from your uh, experience with starting strength, like what are the exercises that kind of you should be focused on? <laughs> I mean, I so when I did the program, which was admittedly not that for that long, I was doing it basically as written. I wasn't improvising or anything. Yeah. And so I think I was basically doing squat, deadlift, bench, and press, and that was about it, depending yeah. on the day. Yeah, and that's kind of like the core of it. I think they also recommend like uh, doing power cleans. Power cleans, but a lot yep. of people don't do the power cleans because they are admittedly kind of a complex movement to learn. Like I never yep. really got good enough at them to really feel like I was doing them right. But yeah, yeah so like I passed the, over those. The core lists are like the squat, the deadlift, the bench press, the overhead press, and then most kind of variations of that program. You also see there's like some accessory lifts like doing chin-ups or pull-ups or Mm -hmm. uh, doing like barbell rows and that to me like those kind of like those six movements squat deadlift bench press overhead press chin-ups and barbell rows is kind of like that covers like your whole body Mm -hmm. in terms of what you need to kind of train and um that was like awesome for me to discover because that's exactly what i was looking for right i was trying to figure out like what is the highest value most like high efficiency workout I could kind of do. And um, those are kind of the movements. And the reason that those work, and I think it's kind of important to understand this in terms of like just basic understanding of the human anatomy is that they're like multi-joint compound exercises. That's kind of like the vocabulary that people throw around. So like a bicep curl, the only joint that's closing or extending is the bicep joint, like the elbow joint. So there's only like one muscle working whereas if you do a chin-up you're doing the exact same motion that you do with a bicep curl where you're sort of closing the elbow joint but you're also closing the joint between like under your armpit right like bringing Mm -hmm. your elbow to your side which is like working your back at the same time so all those exercises are great bang for your buck exercises because of the fact that you're using uh, you're closing or extending two joints at a time so like with the bench press it's like you're extending your triceps and you're also contracting your chest muscles with rows mm-hmm. you're contracting your biceps and your lats with the squat you're using like your glutes your quadriceps your hamstrings too depending on your squat technique deadlift you're working your hamstrings and your glutes and your upper back overhead press is shoulders and triceps so um, by kind of like focusing on these exercises that are kind of doing two things at once you don't really have to waste time doing the exercises that are only doing one of those things like if you're right. focused on training your bench or your overhead press you don't have to worry about doing tricep extensions or anything like that ever. Like it almost makes more sense to just focus on the movements like an overhead press that are more like things you're going to do in the real world, like picking something up over your head because it's going to train your body in sort of like the most balanced way. And what I found too, that was cool is like, you're always sort of limited by whatever sort of the weakest part of that chain is. Right. So if you're doing like a bench Mm. press and that's working your triceps and your chest muscles and your triceps are weak. That's going to be like the limiting factor in your bench. And it's not going to be until like your triceps catch up in terms of strength so that they can really contribute their part of the movement that you're going to start making progress. And hopefully by that, at that point now, your body is kind of like evened out in a more sort of real world, full body training sort of way. You know what I mean? I don't know. Mm -hmm. Um, What do you think? Do you have anything to add? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so I think if you're a new person to this and you have very little familiarity with this kind of exercise or or work, then starting strength is a great place to start and understanding the principles there will help you a lot. 
Like I think that that particular program is really useful, but also just understanding, hey, compound exercises are good because they're efficient. Mm-hmm. Like if I have a lot of different muscle groups, if I tried mm-hmm. to train them all individually, that is not uh, optimal. It's going to take a lot of time. And like you said, it can lead to weird imbalances. But if I do things that are multi-joint and complex, that's probably going to be better for me. And so there was this nice discovery for me, which was I could go to the gym and do th- three lifts, like three sets of three lifts and be done in like 45 to 50 minutes and get substantially stronger every time I went there. Yeah. And like the program was really simple. It was really focused. And like the the loading is even simpler where it's like, okay, you did 100 pounds on the bench press last time. This time do five, 105 and like just add five pounds every time you do it. And that works for like a surprising long amount of time because you're uh, and that doesn't, another great principle from this is that hey, you're a newbie for a while. Like if you're new to strength training, your strength yeah. goes up so fast in the beginning. And so the simplest and the simplest programs work. You don't need anything complex like someone who has a ton of experience would need. You could just do a really straightforward kind of uh, routine. Totally. Yeah. I think that kind of leads into like another part of the conversation that I think is important where you were kind of talking about, okay, the program, the starting strength program has you like adding weight every week. And mm-hmm. I think... Um, The precursor to that, I think, is that for me personally and for a lot of people that I know, like, and you kind of alluded to this yourself too, when you kind of just like show up at the gym and don't really kind of know what you should be doing and you're just trying to get in shape, your sort of natural instinct is to just like figure it out by feel, you know, like what weight should I kind of be working with? What kind of feels hard for whatever number of reps whatever workout I printed off the internet is telling me to do or whatever. Right. Um, Mm -hmm. and I think, uh, that combined with people sort of focusing on this goal of like going in the gym to, you know, quote unquote, get in shape, whatever that sort of means. It's like very vague and abstract. Usually people are, they either like want to lose weight or maybe they want to put on some weight or they just like want to look more fit. You know what I mean? Like they Mm want to be a little bit more muscled and a little bit leaner. Um, Mm -hmm. When you kind of go to the gym with those those as your goals, that's kind of what you're trying to measure. And my experience is that that stuff is like really hard to measure and really slow to measure. So like Mm. if you're going to the gym doing bicep curls because you want to have bigger biceps and you're just trying to like look at yourself in the mirror every week, you're not going to see a lot of visible progress in a short period of time. And that can be like demotivating for a lot of people. Like that can kind of lead you to sort of fall off the wagon because you don't really have that sort of you know, dopamine hit or whatever. That's kind of like telling you like, yeah, what you're doing is working and like you're making progress. Um, mm. and that's like something I struggled with for a long time. Cause I was just like measuring my progress by like weight on the scale or like how yeah. I thought I looked with my shirt off or something. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, and then when I discovered stuff like starting strength, um, the focus switched from how do I look or how much do I weigh to like how much I can lift and how strong I am. And the interesting thing about that is kind of like what you alluded to with, you know, when you're new to this stuff, you get stronger and get better at this stuff really, really fast in like a really, really Mm -hmm. measurable and quantifiable way. So like with the starting strength program, um, if I remember right, it's like two, it's like an A workout and a B workout. And I think Mm -hmm. you're supposed to squat both workouts and they tell you to do, um, you know, three sets of five. And we can maybe talk a little bit about like program structure in a little bit more detail after this. But the general idea is like, 
if you're going to the gym Monday, Wednesday, Friday, on Monday, maybe you start by squatting 75 pounds and you do it for three sets of five. Then on Wednesday, you try and squat 80 pounds for three sets of five. Then on Friday, mm-hmm. you try and squat 85 pounds for three sets of five. And the surprising thing, I think, for a lot of people is that that sounds like you're like trying to get strong maybe too fast, but you'll find that you're not. Like your body can mm-hmm. do that, especially at the beginning. And a lot of that comes from not necessarily like building muscle super fast, but just like learning how to do the lifts better and becoming more efficient with them, which translates to being able to lift more weight. And um, what I found is by like paying attention to that stuff and making sure that every time I went to the gym, I was sort of writing down what I did. I could work out for two weeks and look back two weeks and be like, whoa, two weeks ago, I could only squat 90 pounds for three sets of five. And now I'm squatting 125 pounds for three sets of five. Like that's pretty badass, And that's Mm -hmm. like real measurable, tangible um, progress. And I found like that was the secret for me for actually sort of building the habit of keeping up with this stuff and making it into like a part of my lifestyle was Mm. getting that like reward and feeling of success from being able to like see like I did better than I did before and like I'm actually getting better at this stuff Um, Mm -hmm. and that was like a feeling that I could never really get when I was just focused on how do I look or how much do I weigh or or something like that you know totally yeah that's the there's a lot of things in life like this where it's like feels slow but is fast Mm. where it's like you're not seeing stuff immediately all the time but it's like it's the right thing to do over the long term and I I find those things are hard to hard habits to pick up but if you can turn it into something that like gives you measurable progress along the way it's way easier yeah can you think of any other examples of that that's kind of pretty interesting insight I think (laughs) the reason I I always bring this up when I'm talking about like test-driven development Mm. like people are always like oh it takes me way longer to write tests and it's like yeah the problem with that like the the reason that tdd suffer like one of the things that tdd suffers from is that like the pain is in your face it's hard to write the test right now and the payoff is later on when it catches regressions or improves the design of your code and it's easier to change later um and so it feels slow but is fast and and like i i I, once i discovered sort of realized that principle I, i started seeing it other places and i think it's like an sort of an important life thing to be aware of it's like eating, like, I don't know, eating, this isn't quite the same thing, but like eating well. It's like immediately it, it is so rewarding to eat garbage. It feels so good. And the pain is later on. It's like when the, the pain is far away, it's is when you have the tendency to make the wrong choice, I feel like. Yeah, yeah. I was listening to um, Atomic Habits. I just finished that book, James Clear's book. Mm-hmm. And he kind of talks about that a lot, actually. It's like a kind of a recurring theme in the book about how mm-hmm. sort of in general, most things that like kind of feel good right away tend to be bad in the long term. And most yeah. things that feel like sacrifices right away tend to be, tend to be better in the long term. And like, sure. you know, eating yeah, like co- healthy is code a review. example of that. Yeah. Like code review is another one where it's like, if I have to get your, I have to get every PR reviewed before it gets merged in, that's going to take so much more time. Hmm. It's like, yeah, upfront, but probably it, that is going to pay off over the long term at, at, for greater speeds. Totally. 
Just wanted to take a quick break to thank one of this week's sponsors, and that is Rollbar. So there are two major problems with relying on your users to submit bug reports to you when they find something broken in your app. Number one, you can't discover all bugs this way. And number two, some users don't even bother submitting bug reports. They just wait for you to fix it, and if you don't, they just leave the service. Now, the best software teams practice proactive error monitoring, which means you detect all the errors in your production apps and services in real time, and then you can debug important errors in minutes or hours, often before your users even notice. Uh, teams from big companies you might have heard of like Twilio, CircleCI, Instacart, they use Rollbar to do this. With Rollbar, you get a real-time feed of all your errors so you know exactly what's broken in production, and Rollbar automatically collects all the relevant data and metadata you need to debug those errors so you don't have to waste time sifting through logs. Debugging errors with Rollbar is crazy fast. You get the exact stack trace linked directly into your code base, the request parameters to easily reproduce the issue yourself, a data on which user is affected so you know if it's the same user repeating the same error again, what browser and operating system, basically everything you need all in one place. They also have this awesome telemetry feature that's kind of like getting a black box recorder after a crash but for errors. It shows you all the browser events leading up to that error. Uh, so if you aren't using Rollbar already, there's a special offer just for full stack radio listeners. If you head over to rollbar.com slash full stack radio, create an account and install Rollbar in your application, Rollbar will give you a $100 gift card that you can spend to support any of your favorite open source projects at Open Collective. So thanks to Rollbar for sponsoring the podcast this week. Back to the show. Yeah, so um, maybe like getting back into the getting jacked side of the conversation. <laughs> we kind of talked a little bit about like, okay, what are the exercises you should focus on? And I think like those kind of six that we started with there are, those have been like the bread and butter of like all my training for my entire lifting <laughs> career. Like mm-hmm. very rarely have I kind of like, gone colored outside the lines there i've only really focused on squat bench deadlift overhead press chin-ups and rows sometimes dumbbell rows sometimes barbell rows but um that's kind of been all i've ever had to do but i think like the other critical piece is figuring out like how do you structure that or how do you how many reps should you do and how many sets should you do so i think like maybe a good place to address that from is talking about like some common sort of approaches that like you might take when you're first getting started that maybe end up not being the best way to go. So the thing that comes to mind for me is people think about going to the gym as like you have like a chest day and like a legs day and like an arms day or whatever. But if you look at like a program like starting strength or, or most of these other kind of strength training focused programs, they're not really structured like that you're not really thinking about what movements you're doing in terms of like what body part you're working on that day it's more Mm -hmm. about like either like what movement you're focused on that day or you're just doing like a full body workout which that was always what i found the most enjoyable because i found like if you go to the gym and you're just like doing okay today's chest day i'm gonna do like all these chest exercises uh you kind of like beat the crap out of yourself you get home you worked out just your chest, your chest feels jacked and pumped up or whatever, but like the rest of you is kind of just like blah. But if you mm-hmm. do like a, if you go and like kind of work your whole system out pretty hard, like I found just like that systemic feeling of feeling like I used like my whole body to do something hard for an hour, just, uh, it felt so much better, you know, like it the, does feel better. Yeah. Yeah. Like I have not found anything that makes me feel quite as good as lifting, doing pretty big compound lifts. 
I would say like the, the endorphin change and the mental state change from a workout that involves like heavy lifting is the best for me personally. Yeah. Yeah. I think and, like, so I can too. enjoy the like more cardiovascular stuff too. That also has a similar like dopamine effect for me, but not mm-hmm. quite as much, honestly. Yeah. And I think just like specifically the fact that you're just trying to use everything in your body kind of just feels mm-hmm. great too, because like everything just kind of feels like worked and like a little bit like looser, but at the same time, I don't know. It just like, it just, it feels like good. It feels like you did something for like your whole system in like a nice balanced productive way. It's kind of hard to explain, but it just, it is a great feeling to just feel like you just kind of did a, you just kind of trained yourself in like a very holistic sense, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you touched on like talking about rep schemes and things like that. And I wanted to point out something that I think is really useful to know about, which is, like when you're doing a good program, you leave the gym and you feel good. You don't feel wrecked. Mm-hmm. Like I think it's natural, especially when you're a newer person, to be like, oh, if I'm going for a workout, a workout means I'm breathing really hard, I'm sweating a ton, and I crawl out of the gym. Mm-hmm. But I got this phrase from... Um, so there was this guest on Tim Ferriss's podcast called Christopher Summer, and he was the coach of the U.S. men's gymnastics team. Mm-hmm. And his phrase that he has all his athletes shoot for, and these are like the best athletes in the world, was consistency and moderation. So that's what the body thrives on, consistency and moderation. You're doing not a ton, but you're doing it regularly. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, and I think that's important keeping in mind, especially as you're you're starting, is you don't need to kill yourself to get um, good results, right? It's it's really just like you kind of push yourself to like a certain point where it's like I've done enough that my body is going to improve as a result of this. And as long as you're doing that on a consistent basis, that's kind of all that's, that's really necessary. I can say like from my own experience that to get to, I don't want to use the word elite, but like if you're pretty hardcore about doing this stuff in like a competitive sense, it can get a little bit different. (laughs) Um, But Mm -hmm. in general, like, yeah, I think, I think it's easy to do a program like starting strength where they recommend starting with like an empty barbell, which is just 45 pounds and you're going to do bench press 45 pounds for three sets of five. And that's your whole bench press workout. And it's, it's easy to kind of come away from that being like, well, that was kind of easy, but because of the fact that they have you add five pounds to the bar, every workout, mm-hmm. um, it's going to get harder pretty fast, but you're going to be making progress like that entire time. And I think like one of the key ideas that really worked for me was a lot of people when they are trying to like design a workout program and i think we should maybe talk about some more examples of of other programs to kind of really set the stage for this but a lot of people are always trying to figure out like what's the fastest way that i can get stronger you know what i mean like what program Mm. is going to get me the strongest the fastest Mm -hmm. and what ultimately like worked best for me especially like later in my lifting career was trying to figure out like what program can I design that's going to get me strongest, the slowest, um, Mm -hmm. where it's going to work for a long period of time without me having to change it. You know what I mean? Like how can I figure out a way to like add conceptually five pounds a month to my squat or something? Because that sounds really, really slow, but when you multiply that by 12 months in a year you just added 60 pounds to your squat in a year and if you're already squatting 500 pounds and you can bring your squat up to 560 in a year like an elite powerlifter would tell you right away like that is a huge amount of progress to make in a year when you're already mm-hmm. somewhat experienced with this this stuff right 
So yeah, like the starting strength program, which I think is a really great starting point for basically anyone who wants to get into this stuff. If I remember right from memory, it's like the first day is like squat for three sets of five and then Mm -hmm. bench for three sets of five. And then I think they recommend power cleans, but if I was doing it, I would probably do chin-ups or barbell rows for the same thing. Chin-ups is a little bit tricky if you're can't do one chin up because i think that's like a a problem that a lot of people have i think those were accessory i think that was optional yeah i they call them accessory but i personally i think of them as like pretty critical because if you're not if you're not doing like a chin up or a barbell row and sort of treating it as a pretty like important part of your training then your program isn't super balanced right because like i like to think like for every like upper body pushing movement i do like a bench press or an overhead press i want to try and balance that out with like an upper body pulling movement like a barbell row or a chin-up and i think for people like us who do a lot of like working at a desk and stuff i think some of that like upper back stuff is actually even more important because a lot of us already have imbalances there where we're kind of like hunched over and our shoulders are kind of turned in and stuff like that from being like really tight and one of the best ways to sort of fix that is like mobility training and stuff like that but i think on top of that just like making the muscles in your back stronger so that they are they're pulling more and trying to pull you back into the right position too right um so i've always thought of like chin-ups or barbell rows as like really critical exercises and i've always kind of trained them with the same level of intent and seriousness as i did with like a bench press or an overhead press Hmm. um but then for like the second day i think it's like squat again for three sets of five and then either bench or overhead press whatever you didn't do the previous day for three sets of five and then Hmm. deadlift for i think they just recommend one set of five um on the deadlift now there's warm-ups and stuff that you should be doing before that too depending on like where you're at if it's your first day and you're starting with the empty bar, you're not really going to be warming up too much because there's not a lot to warm up from. But that's mm-hmm. kind of like that base program. And the idea is that you add five pounds or I think it might be 10 pounds to the deadlift every every two workouts and five pounds to the squat every workout and five pounds to the bench and overhead press. Or maybe it's even 10 pounds to the, the squat to start. But the idea is that like every day you're going to the gym and I think they recommend doing it like three days a week. So it's two workouts three days a week that's like an a workout and a b workout so the first week maybe you do workout a on monday workout b on wednesday workout a on friday then the next week it's the opposite so workout b on monday workout a on wednesday workout uh, b on friday Uh, but as long as you're like writing down in the gym bring a little notepad with you or your phone or whatever like what did i do today then the next workout you just want to raise the weight and and do the same thing and the nice thing about it is like there's no there's no going to the gym and sort of trying to figure out on the fly, like what should I be doing today? Or, or I feel strong today. So I'm going to like lift heavier or I don't feel so strong today. So I'm not going to lift as, as much. There's this Mm. notebook or system that's dictating to you. Like, this is what you're lifting today. Actually, I don't really care how you feel. (laughs) You know what I mean? And that forcing function was a a really effective way in my experience to actually uh, make progress at this stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That you, that notebook, the training log is an important, habit to get into if you're working on this kind of thing like yeah. having that consistent logging and seeing like there's some nice apps now i have an app called strong that i like that like lo- logs your stuff and then generates some nice graphs for you okay which is always motivating for me that was fun to see yeah that's sweet i always used like just an old old school like <laughs> you know ring bound 
notebook, just whatever I had mm-hmm. lying around the house. And I actually still have like my original training journals um, somewhere in a closet. Nice. And mm-hmm. when I was moving earlier this year, I found them and I was just kind of going through them because what I would do is I would write down like what the workout was and then I would usually make like a couple notes around like the yeah. different exercises, just kind of saying like, like this felt like good today or I felt like my technique was pretty strong or this was really hard. Like I barely made like my last rep or whatever. And it was funny to look back at like my workouts from when I'd only been working out for a few months and I'd be like overhead press like 55 pounds for eight reps and I have like some expletives there like holy shit this was so hard and like Mm. by the time like I kind of hit my peak in my lifting career before I had a bit of an injury that kind of set me back a bit I overhead pressed like 270 pounds for a set of five so like seeing myself in like my training journal struggling with those low weights it's just like it's cool to be able to go back and like actually see the story you know what I mean it's just like Mm -hmm. the same benefits that you get from just like personal journaling and just kind of being able to go back and remember like what it was like at x time in your life when you were doing x um it's really cool to be able to do the same thing just like you know with your fitness too yeah totally agree you 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 touched on injury do you want we could talk about mobility at some point yeah it's worth covering yeah i think that is worth covering so you mentioned that like that's something that um you've been really into is just trying to stay uh supple and limber that's right yeah So, so like i'm 35 now and I would say that my goals, my strength goals are now pretty minimal. Like I used to be really into like how, how strong can I get mm-hmm. and like how much muscle can I add to my body? And now I'm more like, how can I make sure I can keep doing all the things I want to do physically for a long time? And so I actually don't train with weights very often these days. I do some kettlebell workouts, which I also really like. Um, but I am mostly focused on like climbing and doing a bit of yoga but like the 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 thing that i've realized is like it's all mobility is so crucial to focus on if you just lift heavy weights you get like even if you're doing compound movements you will get big imbalances and you're sort of just focused over and over on generating maximum tension so it's like you're, you're focusing on making that muscle pull really hard generating a ton of stability at the joint and if you don't have some sort of uh opposite effect where you're lengthening and you're loosening and you're working on imbalances and figuring out where your your crappy tissue is and and working to Mm -hmm. fix it it, you i think you just are basically guaranteed to get injured and if you go on the starting strength forums there's a ton of injury posts like people are getting injured constantly and be like (laughs) ah now what do i do now that i mess my shoulder up Yep. And so I think you can get it. Like I said, you can get away with it when you're younger. Like if you are 23 and you don't know what I'm talking about. Yeah. No kidding. No one does a 23. <laughs> uh, it's like a little bit later on where you like, especially as you've been like working a desk job for longer and longer and you have tissues that get constantly shorter and stiffer, you need to start paying attention. So I have some recommendations on, on good resources for that. Yeah. So, so what have you, uh, kind of been doing to, uh, keep that stuff up? So first I'm going to recommend a book, which is called desk bound. It's by Kelly Starrett. He also has a YouTube series called mobility wad, which is great mobility workout of the day, which is how I first got turned on to him for, for like, I don't know, a thousand days or something. He posted a video a day on YouTube, which is like, okay, he's a, I'm a doctor of physical therapy. I also run a CrossFit gym. Uh, I know that strength is really important and strength training is important, but also you got to focus on this mobility stuff or you're going to get hurt. So here's a video every day on how to do that. So following I've, I've, I've gone through following those videos quite a bit. That's been really useful. Uh, And also reading his book. But his basic prescription is the same, which is you should spend about 10 minutes, 10 to 15 minutes each day trying to work on your specific problems. So like learn how to stand with good posture and move with good posture. And when you're training, do those things well, Mm -hmm. but also spend a little bit of time. I do it before bed generally, like 
get a lacrosse ball and roll on it get a foam roller or a pvc pipe and roll on that do some stretches of your worst things and that honestly has, has made the biggest difference for me like getting my body tuned up in that way feels even better than getting stronger to yeah. me personally so what are some of like the specific stuff that you're doing? Like you mentioned like the crossballs and foam rollers. I think like mm-hmm. there's probably a lot of people who don't even know what you would do with that stuff or what it's kind sure. of for. Um, yeah. So yeah. What is kind of like some of the, the stuff that you go through look like? Yeah. So like most people that work uh, at a desk or like that have, I keep my hands in front of me for a living, like typing and mousing and also have a, a phone and I tend to kind of look down on my phone. My upper back is a little bit curved forward. Mm-hmm. Like my head is a little bit far, a little bit forward above my front, front of my shoulders and I have a bit of curve to my upper spine. And so I spend try, time trying to be in the opposite of that position. So I will lay on a roller and just like re- reverse my spine back over it. And like, I'll kind of do like mini like spine sit-ups almost with my head and mm-hmm. my, just my upper back. And I'm trying to like basically break my spine back down over that roller yeah, yeah. to kind of restore back to neutral and like stretch the tissues in the front. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. Do you have, do you just use like a regular foam roller for that? Like uh, this sort of <laughs> so thing? So I started with a regular foam roller. Yeah. Uh, and then I was like, this is for babies. <laughs> Um, so like even like the extra hard rumble rollers, they say like, oh, this is careful. This is real intense. It's still got foam on it. It still, it was still like, just not, my, not my too weak for me. Yeah. Like I, I developed this taste for like really intense, like mobilization stuff. <laughs> and so now, so I, I eventually graduated to just a, a piece of PVC pipe. Mm-hmm. So just like as hard as I could find. And then I actually went and a step how, above uh, that where the P- what's PVC the was the diameter of the PVC pipe? Cause like the wider uh, it, it was is. like a three inch PVC pipe, yeah. four inch PVC pipe. That's pretty hardcore it's pretty hardcore and then i got then that was became too easy and i needed more and so i i used this thing called the um uh battle star i think it's called it's actually by kelly starrett like he invented this and it's like it's like pvc only it has ridges in it so it's like it's still incredibly hard but now it has like bumps so it's like even worse yeah that's these tiny points of pressure like true nirvana is rolling your uh quads over that thing dude It'll make you cry the in qu- the best way. Did, rolling your quads on just a just a four babies foam roller is excruciating. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, but um, that, that, that's telling you something, though, you know? Totally, yeah. It's like you, you got work to do. Yeah, definitely. So, yeah. So, so just like, I mean, like we're, we're, we're offering advice here, but like I would say like go read Starting Strength if you want to learn how to start strength train and go read Deskbound if you are someone that works at a desk and is dealing like because they, they address a lot of the like super common like where are you probably tight? First of all, they give you some assessments. Like, can you squat down mm-hmm. with a flat back without lifting your heels off the ground? Nobody like, can do can that. Get... No adults can do that. <laughs> I, <laughs> My daughter does Just it a... all day. <laughs> Isn't that obnoxious? Dude, two-year-olds have better mobility. And that's the thing. And that's that's actually one of the points in the book is like you were born with certain ranges of motion and you've lost them over time. And that's not like the normal course of aging. That's just like maladaptation totally. by being too not moving around enough basically i think some of it is a little bit unfair because like the actual anatomy of a toddler and like how their center of gravity and stuff is is a little bit more uh, advantageous in terms of being able to like squat down and stay perfectly balanced but yeah it's a it's a hard thing to do if you're an adult but you watch like kelly starrett on youtube and the dude can just get down into like a squat with his heels flat on the ground and sit there all day with a flat back so it's it can be done yeah yep so, so yeah, so that's, that's, that's what I like to work on. I actually, that is that sort of meta habit or, or focusing on that has been, has yielded good gains for me. And I haven't been injured like from a fitness thing in a, in a while. Yeah. Whereas before when I was not focusing on this, I would get random shoulder things or hip things or knee pain and 
this has definitely paid off for that. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Injury is a big, a big problem. I think like um, a lot of people are sort of like sort of worry about doing certain exercises like deadlifts and stuff because they sort of think of them as like dangerous exercises. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of people who have hurt themselves doing it. But I think the reason that people get hurt is because you're either doing way more than you're actually supposed to be able to lift to the point where it's forcing you to lift with really bad, dangerous form, like a really rounded back and you could throw your back or something. Um, Or you're just way past the point of diminishing returns in terms of like how strong do you need to try to be to live right your to live your life to its you know highest potential and you're trying to mm-hmm. like set world records or <laughs> whatever then like yeah the the opportunity for injury is going to is going to open itself up but i think in general like those like kind of compound exercises and stuff are and even stuff like deadlifts that sound scary to people or look scary to people who have never done them are are some of the sort of best injury prevention stuff that you can do too as long as you're sort of doing it doing it right Totally. Um, like when you bend down and pick up a toddler, you're doing a deadlift. Yeah. And if you never practice deadlifts and no one's ever showed you proper form, that is a very easy way to get injured. Like you have to do these kind of things to be a, a human in the world, like picking the trash out of the trash can and lifting it up and bringing it outside. Like there's these, these motions that you're going to have to go through. And so like the strength training kind of give, can give you the, the technique for yeah. that to do it more safely. Just wanted to take a quick break to thank one of this week's sponsors, and that is Cloudinary. So if I had to describe Cloudinary myself, it's basically just the best way to store and serve images that I've ever seen. In the past, I used to use generic storage services like Amazon S3 to store and serve images, uh, but after switching to Cloudinary, I genuinely cannot believe I ever did this stuff any other way. Uh, So here's one example of how Cloudinary has made my life easier. Uh, So you probably know that typically images are the heaviest reason resource your users have to download when they visit your site, right? Usually way more than your JavaScript or CSS. So in the past, I would spend a lot of time tweaking settings and tools like Image Alpha and Image Optim to try and optimize my image files so they weren't as large. Uh, With Cloudinary, I can just upload the full resolution file without even really thinking about it. And then by just adding a parameter to the image URL that I get back, uh, when I go to serve it on my site, Cloudinary will automatically optimize that image as best as it can, usually resulting in file sizes that are actually lower than what I was seeing when trying to optimize the images by hand. Uh, This is even more useful for like user uploaded images because instead of trying to do some fancy automatic image optimization in a background job on my own server or something, I can just send those images directly to Cloudinary from the browser, request the optimized version back by adding that URL parameter, and bam, I've got an optimized image at a really small file size. Uh, So there's an enormous amount of other cool stuff that you can do through the URL-based API. That's really just scratching the surface, but you can do stuff like request images at different sizes so you can serve smaller images on mobile devices so you're not wasting bandwidth. Uh, you can crop images to different dimensions. You can crop images using face detection, so just crop to the faces in an image. Uh, you can automatically add watermarks or text overlays or tons of different effects and stuff like that. It's a seriously impressive service. So Cloudinary has an amazing free plan where you can store 300,000 images and videos. Yeah, did I mention you can do all this crazy stuff, not just with images, but also with videos too. Uh, you get 10 gigabytes of storage and 20 gigabytes of monthly bandwidth on this free plan Uh, so if you're not already using them definitely head over to cloudinary.com and check it out it really is one of my absolute favorite services that i use on my own projects thanks a ton to cloudinary for sponsoring this episode back to the show i think another point that's kind of maybe important to talk about for 
for maybe people who are not like super convinced about like, you know, I, I don't want to be jacked or I don't want to be whatever. I just like kind of want to get in shape and, Mm -hmm. you know, do some cardio or whatever. And of course, like that stuff is valuable for its own reasons, but there's like a lot, a lot of research and stuff out there that, um, suggests that lack of strength is one of like the biggest reasons that people's quality of life suffers as they continue to get older. Super true. In fact, like the screening, there's like a screen. If you are um, being evaluated to as like a elderly person to like live at home mm-hmm. versus need to be like if to be in like assisted living versus nurse full time nursing care or something like some higher level of care is like can you get off the ground? Yeah, like can you just like push yourself up off the ground? And right now, like again, as young people, that sounds pretty easy. Yeah, but I've just noticed even in my parents, like it's harder than it was. It's clearly harder than it used to be. Yeah. and so much of that is just that they have like lost strength over time. And yeah, I, I think like you get to a point too, right, where your body's ability to sort of get stronger is is diminishing and maybe gets to a point where like it's not even possible like your body is just slowly dying your whole life you know what i mean once you get to a certain point <laughs> as morbid as that sounds um but like there's a huge market out there for like people who teach strength training to like retired people who yep. realize that like you know what like i'm 60 years old and i'm like probably pretty close to that limit where like if i don't try and get a little bit stronger now like i'm not going to be able to to get stronger um and there's like a, yeah. a lot of people who focus on helping people do that sort of thing like you can find videos out there of like 80 year old women deadlifting like 250 pounds of stuff which is just like mm-hmm. amazing and they're not mm-hmm. jacked or like looking like you know really masculine women or, or anything like that they're just like they look like an old person who hasn't withered away into nothing. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, My response to most people who are like, oh, I don't want to get too bulky or too jacked is don't worry. You won't. No, you it's have like, to bust your ass. You have to work at it. <laughs> you gotta, you gotta yeah. like try. Like it, it, it's, if you are so genetically gifted that you will accidentally sprout tons of muscle, you probably know that already about yourself. Yeah. So like, don't worry. Like it doesn't sneak up on you. No. If you don't like how you're looking aesthetically, you can make changes. It goes slowly. Yeah. And I think like, I don't have any numbers or anything, but like the point where you are kind of like, you've developed enough strength that it's going to give you the benefits that you need from strength just to be able to get yourself out of the bathtub when you're you know a senior citizen like that you don't have to get crazy strong to get to that point like it's like super achievable by by most people i think the point of diminishing returns is 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 pretty low really in terms of like what's actually going to benefit your quality of life which is awesome because it's it doesn't actually take really killing yourself or doing that much work to get to the point where you know 30 years from now you're going to be really grateful that you you built a bit of the the strength when you were younger and your body was kind of like willing to to cooperate and and build Mm -hmm. some of that muscle so you sort of have those reserves as they're depleting you know later in life Mm -hmm. yeah yeah can i talk some some trash about some things right now sure nice i have a couple things i wrote i've written down two things that i want to make sure i say mean things about before we go uh the first thing is fitness is kind of an industry like finance Mm. where a lot of the advice out there is garbage and you have to be really careful more careful than usual and in particular almost any trainer that you hire at almost any gym is garbage they will have you doing the stupidest things possible that will not give you good results like it 
I find it almost infuriating to go to commercial gyms sometimes because I see people paying money to people who are claiming per, like expertise who have them doing the most ridiculous things when if you just like like had them do some squats a few times a week they would get so much more benefit than that one-legged bosu ball balance sure. oh garbage God. with distraction bands and just it's like it's so ridiculous because like that that business is is all hype or is, has a lot of hype and like they want it to look interesting and like seem kind of sexy and cool and like they have the latest techniques when in fact nothing new has been invented in strength training in no. a while and really like you should just be deadlifting and squatting and like going home yep yeah i think that's totally true like you're right it's it's just like i mean the analogy with like the finance industry is like okay if you have money to invest you should just be buying some index funds you don't need to be doing right. like some really complex exactly. investment strategy where you're trading every day and trying to do like whatever and it's the same thing with with exercise it turns out like the most effective stuff is actually like the really simple boring stuff which i mean it's just like eating healthy too right like you don't need any sort of like really crazy special flashy diet everyone sort of knows like when you put some piece of food in your mouth is like is this getting me like closer to where i want to be health-wise or further away and like as long Mm -hmm. as you're asking yourself that question you're gonna make good progress you know so what's the other thing that you hate or you wanted to talk trash on oh i'm so glad that you brought that up (laughs) all right running is bullshit (laughs) whatever your fitness goal is Running is the wrong answer unless you want to get good at running. Mm-hmm. Running has the highest injury rate per hour of any physical activity. People get injured on it all the time. It actually is a very complex thing to do well. You are almost certainly lacking the correct mobility to run without injury for very long. And it is actually tends almost everyone. They say they want to get fit. What they mean is they want to add a little bit of muscle and subtract a little bit of fat. They want to change their body composition. That's a very reasonable goal. Running is bad for that. Running is a muscle wasting activity. It tends to delete muscle even faster than deleting fat. So you are worsening typically your body composition and exposing yourself to a huge risk of injury while you are running. Running is bullshit. Don't go running to get fit this year. It's so true. And, um, I think like the other component to that that's important to understand. I think there's a really good article by Mark Ripito actually that I'll try and find to link because he is a hater. He is a hater of uh, like long endurance exercise in general. Um, sure, but there's a lot of like research out there that suggests that you know strength training, focusing to like get stronger, actually from what matters in terms of your health, you get all of the sort of cardiovascular system training benefits that you really mm-hmm. need to be healthy just from lifting heavy things like that causes like your heart rate to go up. It causes you to breathe heavier. It forces like blood through your system. Um, mm-hmm. And it, it, it more mimics like the sort of HIIT training or something that you might do. Like, and if you do research into all this stuff, like what's the most effective way to do cardio, you'll see like a lot of the stuff is um, short bursts of right. high intensity effort like doing like a like a tabata on a rowing machine or something like that where you're kind of going hard and then taking a little bit of a break and you're only doing it for maybe 15 or 20 minutes total and you get a lot of that same type of work on those same systems in your body just by lifting heavy shit (laughs) totally And, and i should clarify when i say running i'm thinking i'm talking like long slow runs if you want to do like 10 really fast 100 meter sprints that's a great idea those mm-hmm. are good but it's the, it's that typical like jogging that most people do and like yeah. i see it's it's kind of heartbreaking like i i live near like a bike path that yeah. a lot of people like like to run on and i will see people that are like pretty overweight 
and they're clearly like I'm doing I'm trying to get in shape yeah and I see them running and they're running with their their toes turned out and they have no ankle mobility and I can just see them like destroying their knees and hips yeah. and, and they're probably got these like high impact heel strikes on the ground Exa- like every step they're not ru- ex- exactly they're not running so they're exposing themselves to like tons of injury and they're doing a thing that yeah like you will lose some if you're particularly overweight you will lose some weight when you run but again a lot of that's muscle and it's just like there's just better ways to do what you're trying to do and yeah. I want to stop them I never would but it's like please yeah, just don't it is, do this it's a it's now, I think like I had this conversation actually with my buddy Steve earlier today. We were talking about running a little bit because he asked me because we were both talking about this topic because I mentioned that I was recording this podcast with you. And he was like, mm-hmm. you're not into running, right? Like, you're not a running guy. And I was like, no, nah, I really don't like running. And, and he likes running. And I was mm-hmm. trying to like talk to him about it and understand like why. And for him, he kind of just likes that feeling of just like going out, getting fresh air, just kind of doing something that's high enough effort that it sort of like takes your mind off other stuff and, and whatever, and sort of like more of the, the mental benefits, I guess, which sure I can't like argue with that, but from like a purely Mm -hmm. like physiological, like what is the best thing that you can do to actually achieve your goals from a fitness perspective? I feel like running is basically bad for everyone who's not training to be like a world-class marathon runner. Yeah, pretty much. And like, if it makes you feel good, then and you're willing to invest the effort in like to like having the mobility to do it well and understanding the proper technique, then you know, have a good time, enjoy it. Totally. But but the average person mm, is probably the wrong choice. Yeah, it's kind of just like one of those one of those myths that's kind of built into everyone. Everyone just thinks like running is good for me, and I think exactly. that's the important thing to dispel. Is it's like it's great if you are very specific in terms of like, I want to run. Like I care about running. Running is like my thing and I want to be good at that. Sure. But if you're mm-hmm. just doing it because like you have in the back of your head that like running is like a healthy like thing to do, like, mm-hmm. you, sh- you know, check yourself because <laughs> that is not, that is not the best place to be investing your, your effort and time. Totally. Um, cool. So I had like a couple, a couple other topics to go through, but I think, um, Maybe the the last one that I think would be cool to kind of talk about is uh, if you wanted to like get into doing this stuff, like either at a gym or at home, like sort of what you need to do it and mm-hmm. what you should be looking for. So like mm-hmm. all the exercises that you do with like starting strength really are just barbell exercises. So ideally you want to have a 20 kilogram or 45 pound Olympic barbell An Olympic barbell is a barbell where the sleeves actually rotate and the area that you're putting the plates on is like two inches. It's like the plates with the big holes, not the plates with like the little holes. Mm -hmm. And the reason you want an Olympic barbell is because if the sleeves aren't rotating, you'll find that when you're doing certain exercises, the plates are going to be trying to roll because of the motion that you're doing with your body. And if the sleeves can't roll with the plates, it's going to try and roll the bar and that can, it's just not optimal. It can be dangerous. It can throw off your technique and send the bar in places where it shouldn't be going and stuff like that. Um, so you need a 45 pound barbell and then you need somewhere to rack it and unrack it to do exercises. So um, if you just wanted one piece of equipment, it would be what they call a power rack, which is like a squat rack that has kind of like four posts. Um, And in between them is where you kind of do your lifting and you have like these safety catches that can kind of be adjusted inside of the rack so that you can set it to a certain height where if you had to bail on a squat for whatever reason, you could let the bar down on those 
catches and kind of get out of the way instead of having it crush you down to the ground and that's same mm-hmm. for even something like like the bench press like you can use like a an olympic bench in a in a gym but if you're going to be doing this stuff like by yourself which i think ends up being the case for for most people if your gym isn't super busy and you can get away with it benching with like a a portable bench that you slide into a power rack so you can adjust those safeties is sort of the safest place to do it so that if you miss a rep it doesn't crush you because i think actually like statistically the bench press is the most dangerous barbell lift in terms of how many people it's killed which is like Hmm. quite a few people who drop it on their chest and crush their rib cage or drop it on their throat and can't get out from under the bar and choke and suffocate it's it can be pretty scary so you so a power rack with some safeties is is the place to be and that's basically it like olympic plates olympic barbell power rack and if the power rack has a chin-up bar at the top that's even better um and that's kind of kind of all you need i don't know you got anything to contribute yeah if if all that sounds intimidating and i would understand why it might um a you could just go join a gym that has this stuff that's easy uh but if you're if you're interested in, in a home workout that is similarly full body um but a little bit simpler i really enjoy uh pavel tatsuin's book kettlebells simple and sinister yeah. he has like a really simple kettlebell workout a kettlebell is like a cannonball with a handle on it uh it's like couldn't be simpler it's just a big piece of iron and you need like <laughs> one to do the right to, to do a, an, a a workout and uh, you can get very similar and great benefits. And I've, I've used that a lot when I was training for boxing in particular. And I wanted a little bit more of a cardiovascular challenge mm. while I was like lifting yeah. stuff. That was great. I really enjoyed nice. that. Yeah, I've done some kettlebell stuff, but but not a ton. But yeah, the Pavel guy, he's kind of like very, he's like the kettlebell dude. Like if you search for kettlebell stuff, you will find this guy. And he's got tons and tons and tons of, of information out there. Um, yep. The other thing I was going to add is that if you wanted to if you wanted to set up like a home gym and this was like a real struggle for me is trying to figure out, okay, where do I get all this stuff? Um, if I had to like recommend one place to like buy stuff from, it's this company called rogue fitness in the U S which is like a U S based company. Everything is built in the U S everything is like designed to be intentionally simple as hell. So if you go to like a commercial gym, you'll see like racks and benches and stuff that have all sorts of like curved pieces of metal and everything just like kind of looks flashy and fancy. Like all the rogue stuff is literally just like regular steel beams that they would use for anything with holes drilled in them and welded together in like the most bulletproof, simple way possible. And the mm-hmm. equipment is like amazing. Like the, all my stuff I, I got from Rogue and it's lasted me like a decade and everything looks brand new still <laughs> at this point. And it's also like yep. pretty affordable in terms of like what you're getting for what you're, what you're going to pay. Um, the sort of thing that you would get for the same price from like, you know, your regular run of the mill fitness store is going to be crappy, thin, steel with like a low weight limit and stuff whereas like the rogue stuff you could literally squat three thousand pounds off of it and it wouldn't even budge an inch and it's it's not priced like the sort of crazy expensive flashy equipment that like a university gym might buy or something either like you can for maybe 800 bucks you could get yourself like a really awesome garage setup that's going to last you like your entire life um Mm. so if you're looking at buying stuff for your home gym that is where i get my stuff and i've always been really happy with it same Uh, i have a number of their things rogue actually makes that battle star that insane roller i talked about yeah and yeah their stuff is bulletproof it's 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 pricier than you know you might guess but it's very high quality yeah awesome cool man um 
I guess that's maybe that's a good place to start wrapping things up. Do you have anything to uh, anything else you want to touch on or anything in terms of this stuff? I'll throw one other thing out there. Sure. Which is in the last like year ish, I have gotten like fitter than my normal baseline. And I think the biggest component of that is that I started a company with two friends of mine Mm -hmm. and both those friends are pretty into fitness. And as a result, we go as a company several times a week to the local climbing gym and we do yoga or we go climbing or sometimes I'll like lift a little bit and just having friends around. They're like, Hey, it's Wednesday. You want to go do this thing? And like kind of keeping me on track has had a huge impact for me. And so if you can kind of develop that same thing, it's really helpful. Yeah. Any sort of accountability that you can kind of create for yourself is super key. Like one of the biggest reasons that I don't lift as much as I used to is I moved from where I lived before. Like basically when I really got into lifting, my parents, they owned like a semi, right? So they had like another dude who lived next door sharing walls in like the same building. Mm -hmm. Um, He set up a garage gym and was getting into CrossFit and stuff like that, which I can't, I'm not a big CrossFit fan, but I was getting into strength training at the time and he wanted to get better at squatting and deadlifting all that stuff too. And because he kind of like lived next door to my parents, I knew who he was and we just got into training together and we trained consistently three days a week for like four years. And Mm. that was, we just had a schedule like this day, these three days of the week at this time, like we meet at his garage and we work out. And when you know that another person is there waiting for you to show up, you kind of, you kind of have to show up. It's a lot harder to, to skip. Um, and that helped me a lot. And then the other thing that helped me in terms of accountability was, you know, finding like an online community where I could post like my training log and, you know, comment on other people's workouts and be, you know, just kind of motivate each other. And, uh, if you hang out in these communities for long enough, usually you'll, make a little group of friends and you kind of feel like, Oh, they're kind of expecting to see an update from me or whatever. It's not the same as like Mm. an in-person thing, but anything you can sort of do there. And um, not everyone is going to do this, but the other thing that helped me was just having a competition on the calendar. (laughs) Like I have to keep training if I'm going to be competing. But yeah, I mean the best shape I've ever been in was when I had a boxing match scheduled. Yeah. It's like, well, I have no choice (laughs) whether I'm trained or not. So I was, I went insane those few months. Awesome. Cool. Well, um, I'll throw a bunch of, uh, resources and stuff that we talked about, uh, in the show notes. You have a thing that you're kind of working on that I think ties Mm. into some of this pretty nicely. So I'll give you a chance to, to pitch that if you're interested. Nice. Um, yeah, that'd be great. So I'm working on a course. So, so a lot of the things that I've, I pointed out and the things that have made the biggest difference for me have been habits. Like we have a habit as a company to go to the gym and I have a habit of, doing mobility work in the evenings and things like that. And I realized that basically my whole life uh, and atomic habits really hammered home for me that like so much of our eventual success is the result of our current habits. And so I really want to double down on my habits this year. And I figured, Hey, why don't I get some accountability buddies uh, slash turn this into a course so other people can benefit from the stuff that I'm doing anyway. So I'm running a course called Habits for Hackers. And one of the habits that we're going to be building during the course actually is spending time uh, working on your mobility, because I think it's like one of those major things that gets ignored and makes such a big difference. So if that appeals, uh, there are other habits too that are more like professional developer related but uh, you can check that out at habitsforhackers.com awesome man so there you have it folks i hope you enjoyed this conversation with ben ornstein if you're interested in any of the resources uh, mentioned in this conversation you can check out the show notes at fullstackradio.com 
slash 105. I'm going to throw a bunch of links in there too to things that we didn't necessarily talk about, but are resources that I would also recommend. Uh, thanks to Rollbar and Cloudinary for sponsoring the podcast this week. And if you'd like to drop us a review on iTunes, that's always appreciated. Thanks, everyone. See you next time.